Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is CW. Thank you for checking out the Top Docs Radio Show this week. You know, since I've been hosting the Top Docs Radio Show over the past year and a half, an important theme has emerged through my conversations with the physicians and patients who've joined me in the studio. And that is, when you or a loved one is dealing with a health-related issue, you need to learn as much as you can about it, beyond even what your doctor is telling you. There's lots of information available on the internet and elsewhere. Ask them lots of questions. Are there other ways to treat this? This is particularly important if you're being told you need surgery. Why? Well, surgery cannot be undone and many health problems have both a surgical and what's called minimally invasive approaches to resolving the problem. So when you're being told you need to have part of your body amputated or removed, you need to ask, are there other options available that would help you resolve this problem without that extreme approach? For example, many of the patients that we've cared for in our wound and hyperbaric medicine practice have been told repeatedly by a surgeon they need to have their foot or leg amputated, and they ultimately ended up walking out of our practice on two feet with their problem wound fully healed because they wanted to see if there's any other way that they could save it first. When you consider that for diabetics who undergo below-the-knee amputation that there's a five-year nearly 50% mortality rate for them, it's pretty clear that that decision to avoid amputation can be life-saving. And in those instances, when you are being recommended that surgery is the treatment for you, particularly if we're talking about removing something or amputating something, get yourself a second opinion, possibly even a third opinion, because as I mentioned, these things cannot be undone and they can be life-altering. So you want to be sure that when you go into that first position to get that treatment, that it is for sure what you need and that there aren't other options available that you could pursue that maybe aren't quite so life-altering as some sort of surgical removal or an amputation, for example. My personal advice for obtaining second opinions is to go to physicians who are not necessarily located in the hospital system or same area as your first provider because that way you can avoid having political or even economic factors influencing those recommendations. You can get a greater degree of confidence that the opinion you're getting is truly objective. Obviously, surgery is the preferred way to deal with some problems, to be sure, but I'm very pleased to help you be more aware of treatment options that can help you overcome a variety of health problems while at the same time helping avoid more risky, life-altering surgical approaches. And on that note, for this week's episode, I sat down with an interventional radiologist I've known for a little while now, Dr. John Littman of the Atlanta Interventional Institute in Smyrna. We talked about how he is able to help many women avoid hysterectomy for uterine fibroids through minimally invasive of uterine fibroid embolization, or it's sometimes called UFE. I also learned he's able to help folks who are dealing with migraine headaches with a real innovative procedure that only takes about 10 minutes in his office. He's also able to help women who are experiencing infertility or that's related to blocked fallopian tubes without surgery. It's outpatient. You do it right there in the office, and that allows these women to go on and get pregnant naturally, avoiding all the risks and costs that go along with in vitro fertilization. I, a good friend of our family ended up 
with triplets through in vitro fertilization. So I'm really happy to get to share these types of minimally invasive, innovative procedures with you, to hopefully to the benefit of you and your loved ones. Here's John talking about why he's working hard to get the word out about these innovative, non-surgical approaches to common problems his patients face. Procedures that are often done as an outpatient or at most maybe an overnight stay for procedures that used to take several days in the hospital, patients recovering from large open wounds. Now we can direct everything from the inside. For instance, we're the inventors of angioplasty and stent technology. So people usually know that from the cardiac experience. People have had either knowledge of somebody opening up a blocked artery of the heart with an angioplasty balloon or a metallic stent. And those technologies were in invented by interventional radiologists and applied all over the body. In fact, you can treat aneurysms in the brain, you can treat peripheral vascular disease of other arteries outside of the heart, in the kidneys, in the legs, we're all over the body. I think the most important thing is that knowing interventional radiologists exist, knowing what they do, our particular practice, as I say, is to dedicate it to help women with certain interventional procedures, although, as they say, there are some men that we see. So knowing that these procedures exist, knowing that there's an interventional radiologist in the community, or every major community has interventional radiologists like myself, we're out there, and hopefully patients can find us either directly, my website happens to be atlii.com the Atlanta Interventional Institute. But if they're looking nationally, they can look at sirweb.org, S-I-R-W-E-B.org. That's the National Interventional Radiology website. And patients can go on and wherever state they are in the United States, check that state out, and then it'll list alphabetically by city. So if you're in and around Atlanta or the Southeast, we're, we're happy to see you. But if you're listening to us and you're outside of the Southeast and or you want to stay locally, there's ways to find us that way as well. Stick around. I got the full interview with Dr. John Lippman coming up next. And I'm sitting down with Dr. John Lippman. He's an interventional radiologist with Atlanta Interventional Institute here in Smyrna, Georgia. I met John several years ago, actually got to know him a little bit. And it's been a real treat to get a chance to help folks understand when they might want to think about someone with his expertise. So, John, thanks for taking some time out of your day. Thank you. As an interventional radiologist, it's even for family members, it's hard to describe what we do. We're we're not a really well-known specialty. We've been around for 40 years now, but interventional radiology are experts in minimally invasive guided treatments all over the body for a whole host of medical conditions. But the key threads are that it's non-surgical image-guided therapy directed by x-ray typically, although sometimes other imaging like ultrasound or MRI guide us to wherever we need to go in the body. And we treat, as I say, a whole host of medical conditions non-surgically that used to be done only by open surgery. Which obviously has so much greater time to heal. You're out of work a lot longer. It takes a lot more management for for pain, for example, different things like that you deal with with an open surgical approach versus something that's minimally invasive. And when we talk about minimally invasive, what exactly are we talking about? Procedures that are often done as an outpatient or at most maybe an overnight stay for procedures that used to take several days in the hospital, patients recovering from large open wounds. Now we can direct everything from the inside. For instance, we're the inventors of 
angioplasty and stent technology. So people usually know that from the cardiac experience. People have had either knowledge of somebody opening up a blocked artery of the heart with an angioplasty balloon or a metallic stent. And those technologies were invented by interventional radiologists and applied all over the body. In fact, you can treat aneurysms in the brain. You can treat peripheral vascular disease of other arteries outside of the heart, in the kidneys, in the legs. We're all over the body. And it sounds like as I've gotten to know you over the past few years that y your specialty, maybe not quite to the extent that ours does, but deals with the measure of lack of awareness. Yes. Um, folks, particularly in the patient population, don't really know that you're here, that you're able to do these mm -hmm. things. Obviously, one of the treatments that you offer for women can really significantly change their outcomes is the uterine fibroid embolization procedure. And we know, as I've gotten to, to talk to you on several occasions, many women suffer with this. Absolutely. And my practice is a very narrow focus of interventional radiology. My practice is dedicated to treat primarily women, although we do see some men. But the underlying common thread in my practice is, again, these minimally invasive procedures that are able to treat conditions that are seen either exclusively in women like fibroids and uterine fibroid embolization, or at least predominantly in women. The UFE is a tremendous procedure. It replaces the need for surgery, most notably hysterectomy. And so women who are suffering with uterine fibroids, whether it's heavy bleeding, pelvic pain, any of their symptoms, they can come in, have a uterine fibroid embolization procedure done as an outpatient, go home the same day with a Band-Aid, have about a five-day recovery out of work a week, get all the relief of their symptoms that they're looking for, safer, less invasively, much shorter recovery than surgery, and importantly, get to keep their uterus. Then they don't have to deal with the hormone therapies and things like that that come after that procedure. Correct. As it happened, just last week, one of, uh, one of my Facebook friends was complaining about her migraine headaches. Apparently, this is something that she deals with on a fairly regular basis. And based on the post, it was something that was fairly significant when they occurred. You mentioned to me, as we were talking about sitting down, that you have a procedure that you can do that actually can help with that. Can you talk about that? Yes. We've started one of the latest procedures procedures that we've added to the armamentarium is treating patients that are suffering with migraines. Again, this is a clinical entity that is seen predominantly in women, much more so than men. And in the past, in fact, during my training 25, 30 years ago, there were people that were actually sticking needles into the face to treat this. There is a particular ganglion that is not easy to reach directly, and that's why they had to pass these needles um, and it was very, it was an awful procedure to look at as a resident many, many years ago. But, but people would actually undergo it because of the way they suffered with these migraines. And someone got the bright idea, well, we don't need to pass needles into these people. We can still deliver the medicine, the lidocaine, the anesthetic without any needles by putting in a special catheter in the nose into each nostril and basically dripping the medicine and letting it sit on the ganglion. And that seems to work also. It doesn't work forever, usually works for a few months at a time. But if somebody can get three or four months of relief from their migraine headaches without any other medicines, that's incredible. Absolutely. Do we know what the cause of the, well, that precipitates it, those is? Yeah, it's it's a trigger. It's called the sphenopalatine ganglion. We, there are, pain is very difficult and complicated, but it appears that if putting the medicine and letting the medicine sit on the ganglion, it can interrupt the pain 
response. It's along a, one of the cranial nerves. It's called the trigeminal nerve and it runs along the face. And so the distribution is perfect for delivering this medicine and interrupting the pain that causes these migraine attacks to occur. In fact, we treated a woman recently. She was having 20 migraines a month. So oh. almost every day on multiple medicines, we treated her three times weekly for three weeks. And in the past two weeks, she has yet to have a migraine. So it's very exciting. It's very simple procedure. It takes five to 10 minutes to perform. It's very quick. There's no recovery at all because you're just basically putting in a little tiny straw into each nostril separately and say dripping this medicine in a specific area that we can see under x-ray and making sure it's in the right place, letting it sit there for a few minutes, each nostril and the patient then goes home. There's no recovery whatsoever. Wow. Now, is this something that insurance would cover if I have it this does. kind of problem? Insurance does cover the procedure because hey, there have been people that have been doing this kind of block for a long time, just much more invasively. I've been talking with Dr. John Lippman, interventional radiologist with Atlanta Interventional Institute, and we've been learning some, about some of the cool, minimally invasive procedures that they're able to employ for folks who are having a range of difficulties from migraines, as we're talking about women who are dealing with uterine fibroids, which is a very common problem, particularly among the African-American population. Yes. And I know that one of the other issues you're able to help with, and, and apparently it's also a fairly common problem we were talking about before we started on the air today, was infertility-related to problems with the fallopian tube. Do you want to right. talk about that? Infertility can be divided up into male and female infertility. On the female side, the most common reason why women are not able to have children is a mechanical blockage of their fallopian tube. And it's usually due to an adherent plug of mucus that just blocks the opening to the tube. And a lot of times these patients are discovered on what's called a hysterosalpingogram where they inject contrast and see that the tubes are blocked. And instead of sending them to us to unblock them very simply, like a plumber unblocking a clog in the drain, they go off to very expensive and, and much more invasive in vitro fertilization. Yeah. And so if we can spare these patients the expense and the trouble of IVF, we can perform a very simple procedure from the inside. And again, doing kind of a rotor rooter with very tiny catheters and guide wires and dislodging this plug. The tube is fine. All you have to do is just get the clog out of the way. And so when we discuss this with patients, they, they might say, well, couldn't I reform the plug? Well, you could, but usually patients are pregnant by then. And if you form the plug after you're pregnant, the cow's out of the <laughs> barn. Yeah, that's so right. it's great. So what we do is we tell them, try to get pregnant for six months. If you do, great. Make sure that you have an ultrasound, prove that you're pregnant with your gynecologist. And then also we get a baby picture. That's part of the deal. And then if they're not pregnant by six months, we bring them back for the HSG to see what things look like. Half of the women, their tubes are still open from when we unblocked them six months earlier. Then the gynecologist can focus on the other things that have to be right. The ovarian hormonal milieu, if you will. And then the other half, they've reformed the plug. We've unblocked them a second time. And a number of those ladies get pregnant. So our pregnancy rates are about 40%, which is quite remarkable because we see all comers of patients. In fact, there was a woman who hadn't been able to conceive for six years, had the tubes unblocked, and then was pregnant a month later. We have one patient that won't 
At least she didn't try to even conceive without us unblocking her. She tried for many years, couldn't get pregnant. We unblocked her. She tried for another year to get her second child, couldn't do it. She came back in, we unblocked her. She got another child, second child. And then she said, the third one, I want to go for number three. I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to come and see if I'm reblocked <laughs> so you can unblock me. So it's great. It's a very simple procedure. Very, It only takes about 30 minutes to perform. It's simple. It's done with very light sedation. It's very inexpensive. Patients tolerate it fine. And again, it's a simple solution that's very inexpensive versus something much more invasive and much more expensive. But again, the common theme is you almost have to know about it. And that's why I'm so glad you give me the opportunity to Absolutely. kind of spread the word. Now, now, with a with a procedure like that, it sounds like that's a little bit more elective. So is that going to be an insurance piece or it no? It can be an insurance piece. Okay. So some of the insurance companies will not pay for anything that has anything to do with infertility. And that's a problem. And we've been working with carriers for that. But because it's so inexpensive, some patients that don't have the coverage are more than happy to pay for that out of pocket, just like you pay out of pocket from other things. I would imagine that many women that know or find out about this procedure would opt for this over in vitro fertilization just because of the risk for mul multiple births. I mean, imagine. For any number of reasons, the cost is the, is the biggest prohibitive, but it's, a, again, much more invasive with a lot of hormones and you're getting all sorts of intensive hormonal treatments. And as you said, you will often end up getting multiple, maybe not what you plan for kind of pregnancies versus the old fashioned way. And so it's just less invasive, safer, natural way that it's just most, most gynecologists don't even know we offer these services. So we spend a lot of time educating the gynecologists so that they can properly counsel their patients. Now, I know that one of the things that you mentioned women can deal with sometimes due to osteoporosis is challenges with the vertebrae. And there's some procedures you can actually do because I guess they can get some compression fractures for the, for the vertebrae and you can help with that. Talk about yep. that real quick. Well, postmenopausal women are particularly at risk for developing osteoporosis basically weakening of the bones. And so they are a risk for having compression of the spine. The vertebral bodies of the spine can collapse. And that's something that everybody, male or female, once you get to be of a certain age, should have your bone densitometry. You should have your vitamin D levels checked. Vitamin D is really important. And again, it's seen much more, the deficiency of vitamin D is much more common in not only women, but African-American women. We get our vitamin D through exposure to the sun and that's converted in the liver to the usable form of vitamin D and the melanin and pigment in colored women have more challenges in, in this conversion. So African-American women are particularly prone. And then when you get postmenopausal, it adds another factor. So they should really make sure that they, their vitamin D levels are checked and that anyone that's at risk for osteoporosis, there are some excellent medicines that are employed along with vitamin D to actually prevent the collapse from a occurring. But once the collapse has occurred, then there is a compression fracture of the spine. We can treat them again non-surgically by putting in this metallic straw under x-ray right into the vertebral body through the back and then injecting this bone cement that will not only support the vertebral body, but you can reduce the fracture. It's called balloon kyphoplasty. You place a balloon into the bone after you create a little cavity for it, inflate the balloon or balloons sometimes it's a pair of balloons, to basically reduce that fracture, that collapse of the body, 
you may not get it all the way back to the beginning, but you reduce it significantly. And then you put in the bone cement to support it. And the cement hardens just like it would anywhere else in its medical bone cement. And then it, it provides that support for that vertebral body mm -hmm. and it eliminates the pain because these fractures not only are very disabling, but they hurt a lot. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Now, is it just for this type of osteoporotic change that you would be able to do this, I well, guess? Well, typically, although you can see it for other reasons. There are some patients with cancer, for instance, that get metastasis to the vertebral bodies or other parts of the body that can be very disabling. And you can do this procedure in other areas for the body for cancer. You have to be careful about, you know, there's some other things you have to be cognizant of because the, the cancer can destroy parts of the bone outside of the vertebral body. And so you got to, you know, those are some technical issues about containment of the cement. But yes, you can do it for other conditions like cancer, most notably. Well, I know that I've caught you in the middle of your office day. Do you have another thought or two that we need to share while we're sitting here? Well, I think the most important thing in, is that knowing interventional radiologists exist, knowing what they do, our particular practice, as I say, is to dedicate it to help women with certain interventional procedures. Although, as they say, there are some men that we see. So knowing that these procedures exist, knowing that there's an interventional radiologist in the community or every major community has interventional radiologists like myself. We're out there and hopefully patients can find us either directly. My website happens to be atlii.com, the Atlanta Interventional Institute. But if they're looking nationally, they can look at sirweb.org, S-I-R-W-E-B.org. ORG. That's the National Interventional Radiology website. And patients can go on and wherever state they are in the United States, check that state out and then it'll list alphabetically by city. So if you're in and around Atlanta or the Southeast, we're, we're happy to see you. But if you're listening to us and you're outside of the Southeast and or you want to stay locally, there's ways to find us that way as well. Now, if I'm looking to try to link up with an interventional radiologist and I don't have someone recommending one to me and I'm starting to reach out, are there some questions that I should ask of a particular radiologist to determine if they're a good fit for what I'm needing? Well, I think that's a great question. And just like anything else, patients need to do their due diligence because, mm -hmm. you know, you'll find someone that may be able to do something, but you want to make sure that they're experienced in what they're doing. One of the ways for interventional radiologists is to see if they have fellowship designation. For instance, I am an MD, FSIR, which is Fellow in the Society of Interventional Radiology. It's another level of distinction that separates you from other interventional radiologists. It's bestowed upon you. So your peers have to recognize you. And then after a certain length of time, about 10% of interventional radiologists in their career, in their lifetime, will get this designation. Obviously, you're experienced. You've been doing what you're doing at a high level for a long time. And that's a nice kind of thing that people can look at. Do you have FSIR after your name? You can ask the interventional radiologist, how often do you do interventional? Because not everybody does it every day like right. I do. They may do other things. They may do mammography or may do other right. areas of CAT scan one day or ultrasound yeah. one day. Are you doing interventional radiology every day? That's important because... 
if somebody's going to be doing procedures on you, you want them to do that every day and dedicate it to <laughs> yeah, that. I don't want someone to say, yeah, I can do that. Um, right. You wouldn't <laughs> want your brain surgeon to say, well, I do general surgery. You know, I take out appendixes. I've always and, wanted to do one of those. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so you want them to do it every single day and specialize in that. And that's really important. So those are great questions. For what we've been talking about as relates to the ladies dealing with uterine fibroids, for example, or problems with infertility due to fallopian tube occlusion, uh, migraines, uh, any of those types of issues, as we talked about also the compression of vertebral spine in, in ladies who are dealing with some osteoporosis. Obviously, Dr. Lippman here is somebody that works with those patients day in and day out. That's what he dedicates his practice to. We talked about the fact that in his older days, he used to do some other procedures, and now he's yep. focused all on these types of procedures. So you know you're going to be linking up with somebody that does them routinely and has great outcomes for his patients that he can share with you. So if you want to get more information, as he mentioned, his website is atlii.com and you can get linked up with them. They've got social media sites that you can also follow for some great information that they're putting out with you there. So John, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day today. Great. Thank and, you. Uh, I really we'll, appreciate it. We'll look it. forward to sitting down with you again soon. Thanks. 